I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. Dr. Mark Morris, CSCS, is a nutrition coach and educator living in... Mark, how do I say where you're living? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. That's right. With a decade of experience in online coaching. I might go back and redo that, by the way. Mark has been obsessed with health and fitness since a teenager, um, taking him in many places from athletic pursuits like competing and coaching at the powerlifting world championships to academic endeavors like teaching macronutrients and metabolism to dietetic students. Mark's current focus has shifted from his one-on-one nutrition coaching business to the Dr. Mark Method, a 12-week nutrition coaching course. Welcome to today's episode, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting about all things nutrition and education. I'm happy to have you here. And what a great bio. Where you live is very hard to pronounce. Totally. That actually has been the butt of many jokes, both in Canadian and American pop culture. I forget what video uh, or what movie it is, but yeah, Saskatchewan. Sometimes the names blend together and stuff. But yeah, it's Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Is there a nickname or an abbreviation for that? Or are people forced to say the full thing? Well, Saskatoon's easier to say than Saskatchewan. I think a lot of locals actually will, you'll realize the people that aren't from here because they'll say Saskatchewan. And I I grew up in Windsor, Ontario, which is really close to Detroit. So I have like a bit of my, my dialect is different than everyone here anyway. So my A's are different, but yeah, I, there's no, there's no nickname. But I think you should keep it in exactly the way it was. It's, I believe, over seven syllables. That's a lot for me to handle in an intro for a location. I'm just going to put that out there. But we're moving past it. All right. So happy to have you on the show and talk about all kinds of like really important things, especially about your growth, what you're up to, the contributions you're making to the field of dietetics and your unique background. So can you first kick us off and talk about your two businesses and how you've learned how to focus your message. Yeah, that's definitely been something that I've really worked at and struggled with in the past. So historically, like when I was finishing my PhD in 2015, like I had started doing some online coaching with, you know, body composition clients, powerlifters, those type of uh, individuals for probably since like 2012. And the main focus of my business was one-on-one coaching. And so like when we're doing that type of stuff, we're talking to individuals that want to get like stronger and get leaner. So that was like the main focus of my business in the last little bit I've, and it was kind of in the vein of, I was trying to build out a team around me and I was teaching dietitians and training nutrition professionals to come on board and work within my business. And for the longest time, it wouldn't work out for a bunch of different reasons, like just differences and philosophy or timing and that kind of stuff. So I'd be left off. I'd be left with like investing, you know, three to six months in people and not having anything to show for it. So 
having an education background, I wanted to create like a certification program and just kind of like flip the script. So like, at least at the end, you know, I've been paid for it. Right. And maybe that's just not initially, I just wasn't being smart about going about my business, trying to build out a team and not have some of those like safety nets in place. But I flipped the script and started working on my own new certification program. And that's been the focus of my work in, I would say the last six months to last year is more of a business to business nutrition certification program stream. And there's overlap between those two things, be it people, individuals that want to change their nutrition to transform their bodies and athletic pursuits with passionate people and nutritional professionals that want to build out a coaching business. There's some overlap, but they're also completely distinct things. So for the longest time, I was kind of mishmashing these messages together with subpar results. And my business was growing, but just because of referrals and people having a good experience, not because of what my social media was doing. And I was kind of caught in the trap of probably just posting for the sake of posting and trying to highlight what I was doing and not really landing. So the last little bit, I've really focused on the majority of my energy to the Dr. Mark method, which is the certification coaching program and messaging around that and focusing really on who are those people I'm trying to help? What are their pain points? What do they need to get going? And the results have been much, much better. So the biggest thing was be just being distinct and saying like, these are two different things. Let's focus on one of them. That I think is a hurdle in itself that most people don't even know exists or get to, right? They're like, why can't I just post about all these, like all the different things that I do and stuff. And it just gets really confusing, right? So so to break that down, that really well said, what helped you focus your message? Can you give a couple examples of what specifically you did to focus that, whether it be from focusing on one of your businesses or even more tactical, some of what you've done with uh, your one business that's helped you grow it? Yeah. the, The biggest thing would definitely be only posting about the one business that I want to grow. And that's not to say that the other one isn't important, but just finding other ways to highlight that outside of my platform and have members of my team do that separate of myself. So just, it doesn't get confusing, right. Is the biggest thing. And then strategically, like tactically taking a step back and thinking, okay, who are the people that are going to benefit and who do I serve within the main program that I'm trying to highlight now and making content just for them. Yeah. And what helped you get there to that point? Specific exercise, specific kind of planning strategy. What would you say would be the biggest takeaway? Uh, well, we like with our work together, we did a lot of like ideal client types framework stuff. So that would be one of the biggest ones. And even sometimes just thinking about like, you know, the archetype of who is the person you're trying to help, like even like literally someone you've helped in the past. And using them as sort of an example and building off that. Sometimes it can be a pretty elusive exercise where you're like, well, who are these people? It's all over the place. But just like starting at that point or working backwards and thinking or creating this person uh, would be good. But yeah, the ideal client structure is really good. But then I think as well, that is a, a good exercise, but just the iterative process of trying different things subtle changes, just like the scientific method, and then just measuring what's working, right? I think there's a lot of times we almost, there's optimal things that you can be doing and some strategy around this, but a lot of times people get so stuck in theory that they don't do anything at all. So it's like carrying out some action-based pieces, actually posting stuff, and then measuring if it's getting you the results that you're looking for. 
would be just as important as the other exercises, right? And so what results specifically are you discussing? Well, at the end of the day, the outcome of signing people up is the most important thing that matters, but there's other proxies of generating interest, right? So be it website clicks or pushing people to that, something specifically that you want them to do. So it's like either pushing them towards signing up and if they're clicking on it or going to check something out. I've learned through time, the more specific you can be with it and the more clear cut, the better your results will be in terms of, you may not get more website clicks or anything like that, but at least you'll get, people will be doing what you are asking them to be doing, which is not just generating interest. It's probably like checking things out and being more likely to sign up. I guess you're talking about a call to action, like telling some somebody to do something and then measuring your social media insights to see that they took that action. And yeah. it's easier for you to do that when you're a specific B creating content for an ideal client, C using call to action and then D focusing on one business, right? Because totally a little bit yeah. different focus. It's hard if you're not focused on one thing. Yeah. And I think with the call to action piece too, like the more specific you can be about it, the better results you'll get with that really important outcome, which is getting people to sign up and actually pay you, right? I think a lot of people can say, go check out this for more details and you might get more clicks, but that's not what you want really, right? You want them to sign up. You want them to hire you. You want to ultimately be paid in a client coach relationship so that you can actually help them, right? Because that's the best way for us to actually help people is we all like to talk about like sales and making money, but that's just a proxy of your ability to help people in a lot of cases, right? Absolutely. And so what you're saying, if I'm understanding, is that a clear call to action that doesn't just say check this out, but that tells people that you can help serve them and specifically how is what's going to get them to take that action and be more likely to become a paying client so that you can help more people. Is that correct? Yep, absolutely. Especially if you can mention things that, you know, you're going to need to register, you're going to need to buy something, but this is ultimately what's best for you. And speaking of calls to action, I mean, you speak like this is so fluid and I love that, Mark. Has this ever been difficult for you? Calls to action or uh, stories or anything like that? Has there ever been a time when this has been a challenge or have you always just woken up feeling like you're just owning the Dr. Mark method every day? Libby, that sounds mildly rhetorical, but yeah, no, I think the biggest thing, I think I always knew the importance of like calls to action and using them, but I was using them like intermittently, not on every post, just, you know, when it felt like the appropriate time. And I think I learned that there probably isn't an appropriate time. Like it's one of those things where it gets easier with time doing calls to action more repetitively, finding different ways to work it in. Right. Because like, sometimes you got to get a little bit like creative in terms of, Oh, does this feel off? It doesn't fit like that type of thing, but it's ultimately just signaling to people that, you're a coach for hire and you can help them. And this is the best way for you to help them. Absolutely. And so what you're saying is you've gotten more creative. It's gotten easier with time. Would you say that calls to action are more difficult on the stories versus a still post on your feed? Or is it just in general, the act of calls to action? It's just the whole project in itself. Yeah, no, I think I, I would say stories. I think anytime you're selling via video, it can be a little bit tougher in written because written, you just kind of like hit publish and, and it's done with type of thing. I think what kind of becomes problematic, especially with stories, personally, me selling person to person, even via video, isn't as hard as just putting it out there, my, my face talking 
to the World Wide Web saying like, come buy this. To me, that makes me feel just slightly uncomfortable as opposed to me saying, hey, Libby, like this is the best option for you. I want you to sign up. Like I have no problem saying that. It's when I'm just like putting it out there. I'm not sure who who is going to, you know, receive that message. Like that part can be tough, but it gets much easier with time. So your tip is break through the discomfort, do it because it gets easier. And would you say there's high value in doing the video calls to action? Like, is it worth it for people to break through? Because a lot of the listeners are saying, oh my goodness, I couldn't do calls to action consistently on video. That would feel uncomfortable. But what I want to reinforce is how important it is for you to speak one, like for you to speak to many people on video and connect with them um, so that they know you exist and they know that you have, that you can solve the problem that they're struggling with. Yeah, no, it's worth breaking through the discomfort for sure. And it does get easier. I think there's other ways around it too, right? Like you could be speaking via video and then just try like a still image at the end of the video with a call to action. If that feels uncomfortable to you, that could be a good segue into just literally saying that like now you got to sign up, right? Like that could be a good first step. But I think the more comfortable, like if you can just break through that right away and do it and realize that, most people don't care. They're not going to be offended by it. The ones that are slightly offended by it aren't going to buy it for you from you anyway. So we're not going to care about them. Then that's the best way to see, you know, just break through it. Yeah. And then I appreciate you sharing your story and inspiring the listeners. So before we talk a little bit about your team, because I want to get into the Dr. Merck method and a little yeah. bit more about um, what you're doing and how you're serving people. Can we talk a little bit about your revenue growth? and what led to that and how focusing social on social media has helped you serve more people. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for, if we want to get like specifically with the numbers in my uh, one-on-one yeah. coach, yeah, on my one-on-one coaching business for the longest time, which would have been my predominant business, you know, two to three years ago, I was doing anywhere between like 10 and maybe a best of 14 to $15,000 months. Like that would be best. So that's a, that's a, it's a great little business like making six figure income, like I'm very happy with it. But as someone that is, wants to help more people is motivated by results and wants to grow things. Like I knew there's some logical next steps. And a big piece of that was not just further running myself into the ground for the sake of, cause that wouldn't be any more fun. I could take on more clients at the same price point and work myself to the bone, work 80, hundred hours a week and just be continue to live out this Superman complex, but we started a coaching relationship. I knew that, you know, you were going to force me to do some things and focus, which I think a lot of times people, A, if you're not sure what that change needs to be, just be coachable. But additionally, when you're ready and you know that you got to embrace change, like it makes things a lot easier. So focusing on my one-on-one business and letting that take the back seat, not marketing or messaging to it anymore. Letting my team take that on and focus on the Dr. Mark method was the biggest thing for my growth. We've essentially like, like flipped what is now the predominant income earner and my priorities. And the growth has been like my, everything's almost like doubled, right? So what used to be a $15,000 a month, it was almost like a linear growth from 16 to 19 to 23. And then my most recent best month ever was just under 29,000, which is like amazing, right? Incredible, Mark. Yeah. Incredible. How do you feel about that growth? 
It's amazing. I'm thrilled. I'm really, really happy. Obviously, anytime you put effort into something and see results, it's contagious and exciting. Like that part is really, really good. And I think that's why I actually probably one of the reasons why I fell in love with weight training and nutrition right at the beginning. Right. It's because like as someone that, you know, maybe was like a little lost early in life and was able to put effort into something and see results, like it's contagious. And I've been able to apply that kind of stuff to my business and it's really empowering, right? It's like, oh man, this is actually working. And it doesn't matter if it's your, your first sale, like the first time, you know, you get an e-transfer or a PayPal notification, like you're like, oh, this is actually working to, you know, doubling your growth or revenue or anything like that. Like it's, it's contagious. So it feels, it feels amazing. But at the same time, I would say, I've been very focused over the last four months, but I'm not sure the total amount of work I've done has been more than the previous couple of years. Like it's been more focused, but I don't think I've been like killing myself to get here. I've definitely been more focused and there's been some long nights and stuff, but I wouldn't say to the same extent that I had been in the past, just saying like, take on more clients, take on more clients, scarcity mindset type thing. And that's a good observation. So if I'm understanding this correctly, plus or minus same amount of inputs into the business, but exceptionally higher, double, more than double outputs, meaning you went from 10K months to 29K months, same amount of work. That's exceptional. Why do you think that's the case? Focusing on what's the best way to help people and make money. So what's like the most profitable activity and then making sure the marketing messaging aligns with that and not anything else. And that doesn't mean that you can't highlight other things or, or anything like that. It's just like the majority of your work, people need to know what you do and you have to make it very clear what you do. And then just from there, finding ways to continue to spread that message. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds simple, but it's a hard lesson for many of us to learn. Totally. Especially. Yes. Yes, it it really is. And it's almost like, like, the process of simplifying can be really uncomfortable at times too. Right. Especially when you're, you're thinking like, well, how do I, how do I spread this message? How do I talk to these people? A lot of times it feels uncomfortable because it's not at the level that we're at, you know what I mean? And you're, you're, you don't want to feel like you're speaking down to someone, but you need to make it more, much more relatable to them. And that process can be uncomfortable. I've, I found a lot of times, even recently, like I'm almost, I feel like I'm speaking two levels up from where my ideal client is. And I always got to remind myself, that's like, no, take this, a step back, right? I love that example. And I think that's uh, really relatable for the listeners. So I, I hope everybody's taking a moment to process this conversation. So just a follow up to that. If you were to explain what it was like posting on social media before you had an ideal client versus now, what would you say is the difference with the process, meaning how you went about it? And aside from maybe not being as organized, is it just that now there's so much clarity and there's higher like, um, you know, results, calls to action, et cetera, or do you just feel more confident or a combination of all of the above? I'm trying to paint a picture of uh, somebody who doesn't have an ideal client or has a loose one versus somebody who does and how that creates such a, a more clear process for you to market yourself. Yeah. I think someone like speaking from my own experience, when I didn't have an ideal client, I felt, I felt aimless for sure. I didn't know who I was posting to and I didn't know exactly how they were going to receive that message or what they really needed help with was the biggest thing. And now it feels more like, I wouldn't say I have a checklist, but I have some main things that like, I have a guide for what I should be talking about, 
how that should look. And I think once you kind of can work that, I don't know, system or uh, whatever you want to call it, that's where you gain confidence about speaking about it, right? It might not feel like super confident and painless at first, but once you know exactly what they need to hear, well, or exactly what they want to hear so that you can put them in a position to evoke some sort of change, which is essentially what marketing is, right? Then that process becomes easier. But I think the biggest thing with not having an ideal client structure or an avatar or whatever you want to call that is that you just don't know who they are and you don't know what to talk about. So you're constantly spinning your wheels saying, what do they want to hear, right? Whereas like those things that you're speaking about, those pain points, those solutions, that kind of stuff, it can change over time, but at least you have them to focus on and measure if that's actually what these people need to hear. So helpful. So uh, just to recap what you're saying there, for those of you listening who aren't 100% sure, um, drawing a line in the sand and making a decision, even if it's vague, is going to be better than nothing because as Mark said, your pain points, et cetera, how you're helping serve people in marketing can evolve over time but it's harder to have it evolve if you don't have a baseline. So basically you just have to start and put yourself out there and, and build, as we both said, it's an iterative process to get better at marketing, to get more clear with connecting with your ideal client, to make sure you're not talking above them, to let go of the fears you have with talking down to them. Those are all, that's all just part of the process. It is. It absolutely is. And I think even, I think sometimes thinking about what would you say to one of your own clients, right? That was a little bit aimless and trying a bunch of different things. The first thing you would say is like, no, we got to try one specific thing out, find out what's going to work for you and then measure it through time. Right. Like all of us know what that is in in like in a counseling practice, right? Like we do it all the time. We wouldn't say just like, just try this. Oh, that try that. If someone has, you know, a specific result that they're after, they have a goal, they have to focus on certain things and do that. And only that. And then we measure if it works. Like we would all be able to say that to a client, but when it comes with our own stuff and using social media in that way, we struggle with it, right? Yeah, we do. And it's possible to overcome it. So I appreciate your acknowledging that that's real. That's how you felt. That's how a lot of us feel. And I love your story saying like, you know, you don't have to stay in that zone. You can move past it and, and find a way to make it work. Totally. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your team and how you specifically help dietitians make money and live out their purpose. If you could talk a little bit about the back end of Dr. Mark Method. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a a wide variety of nutritional professionals working within our practice. And one of the focuses of the Dr. Mark method is using flexible dieting and and tracking based dieting strategies to help people reach their body composition goals. So we have a bunch of different nutrition professionals with working within that to be able to like live that out, both dietitians and, you know, more like fitness types doing those sort of things. And yeah, it's been really great. I have always viewed like through my education, like through my PhD, I was teaching full courses to the dietetic students and just really within that process came to realize and know that dietitians are the nutrition professionals. And in terms of this hierarchy, they should always be at the top. And I've always tried to, you know, promote them as such and give them a platform to be able to educate others. So that's one of the main one of the main things we're doing at the Dr. Mark method slash polyhealth, the other like one-on-one business is giving them an opportunity to speak their message of evidence-based practice and how that translates into counseling and coaching and, you know, really fulfill that purpose. Cause I, I don't know, in my experience in the dietetics college, it just, 
going into private practice seems to be the most daunting thing. It's what a lot of people want to do, but there aren't a lot of methods and ways for them to be able to like put themselves out there. If anything, at times it almost feels like some of the structures are handcuffing them to do the quite the opposite. Right. So I I've always been an advocate of giving them a dietitian specifically a platform and getting them involved. And so how so do you think they're handcuffed? And then a follow-up to that would be, how do you help get them involved? Totally. Well, everyone's like province and state seems to be a little bit different, right? So I don't want to like generalize too much. The one, the the province that I'm currently living in, dietitians can't even like promote their client success, right? Like actual testimonial content is in their governmental like framework, they're not allowed to speak about it. That makes it really tough to market anything in private practice. There's ways around that, but it's really difficult. So I just want to step in there and say something about that for people who are feeling scared or alone with, with what Mark's saying. I don't know any territory that allows testimonials in Canada. Yeah. It's also true in Australia. There are different regions that don't allow it for many purposes, including how reimbursement works in those territories and countries mm-hmm. and et cetera. I just want to represent and say you can still market effectively and make money and hit your goals with respecting these laws and restrictions. So there are still are ways to do it. Of course, it kind of stinks and it's frustrating, but there are ways around it. I have successful clients in these countries and in territories who've been able to break through. So totally. No, for sure. And I'm glad that, well, that's what I think we're trying to highlight that is that there are ways that you can build a successful private practice within these rules and I don't know if the idea is to maybe push the rules in terms of like changing them at a certain extent. And maybe it is because I I don't think it's what's actually what's right for the client or the dietitian, but yeah, I don't think that the dietetics colleges are doing a good job of highlighting how you could do that within the rules. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that this is changing, but let's just like generally. Right. So I don't know, I guess making sure that we're trying to push the boundaries in terms of what you can do to build a a successful private practice. And that's where I, I feel like I've been trying to empower dietitians to be able to do that specifically on my team, but elsewhere too. And that's beautiful. And so how do you empower them on your team and how do you represent and empower outside your team? Is it just that you're trying to advocate and let them know that they are the nutrition professionals and try to incentivize them and encourage them to go down the trajectory of private practice? Is that kind of the leadership role you're assuming publicly, meaning outside of your team? Yeah. Yeah. I would say outside of my team, for sure. I say within my team, some of the, the dietitian, like dietetics professionals that are on it, I'm, I'm just saying that like, Hey, these are the things that you need to do in terms of marketing yourself. Sometimes it means asking for clients and putting yourself out there. I think that's like one of the biggest things, like so simple as it is. Right. All right. So what are the three things you empower your team? Number one, you tell them to ask for clients. That sounds obvious, but many people don't want to do that. We've already talked about that call to action and how we all have our own excuses and limitations. Yeah. Also, I really, I feel strongly that dietitians are the nutrition experts and I try to give them every platform that they can to spread the message of evidence-based practice and just give them a platform. Cause there's, there's just so much quackery out there outside of the of evidence-based practice that I feel like the best way of approaching this isn't so much enforcing that those people shouldn't be doing that as opposed to highlighting what is actually true and in evidence-based practice and trying to spread that message, right? Like, don't say, Hey, you know, weight loss clinic here, like that actually isn't true. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, let's come down with an iron fist and shut this place down. It's like, no, let's get those types of people 
sitting in front of an educated dietetics professional and learning what is actually true so that they can see that, you know, that we do actually know a lot about this stuff and it does work and, and, and kind of putting them in that sense. So that's one of the biggest things in terms of giving dietitians a platform I try to do at every opportunity. Okay. Love that. So you're saying number one, diet, your team, you empower them to use, to ask for clients. Number two, give them a platform to spread their message. Anything else that you do, or would you say those two points sum it up? I would say that that would, that would sum it up, but even within the team, giving them every opportunity to be able to, for us to be educated, right? Because, you know, a formal four to five year dietitian degree with the practicum is a very valuable thing, sure. especially when it's positioned in the right way. Yeah. Well, the emphasis is you have to position that in the right way, because if you don't, you're, you're, you know, you're not really doing any service for yourself and for consumers. So everything is about the marketing. Having the degree is not enough. We have to be able to use it. And if we don't, then we're creating a bottleneck for ourselves. So there's nothing more important than learning how to market ourselves to make money, represent uh, evidence-based nutrition and help consumers uh, get the health outcomes that they want. Totally. Yeah. Anything else you want to share about your team lessons you've learned, assuming a leadership position, anything that would be insightful for the listeners who are just totally thinking and dreaming of the idea of being an entrepreneur that can manage a team someday? Yeah. Well, I do feel like I'm in the thick of things in terms of team building. Like I would be completely lying and dishonest if I said I had it all figured out. Like it's well, definitely. I, okay. But we're all a work in progress. So you're doing great. You're doing amazing work with your team. No, totally. But I, I just, I, I want to put that out there and I'm just like in from like pulling from lessons from that kind of stuff. I think all of us are just trying to do a better job of, of like listening is the biggest thing, not assuming things. I think that's been a big theme about what people want and what drives them and motivates them. And I don't know, that's been a big lesson for me, I guess. Can you give an example? Cause you know, I like specificity. Give an example yeah. of how you use listening skills to improve team camaraderie and outcomes, something of that extent in recent. For sure. Well, I, I think the biggest thing with me, obviously I'm pretty results focused and objective about things, but that doesn't mean everyone on your team is going to be the exact same way. And I don't think it's necessary because you want people with different skill sets and, and things that matter differently to them. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to fall in, you know, the same path and doesn't mean you can't be on a team that because like, you know, you want diverse skill sets and people that can serve other people, but listening specifically. So having a conversation around with my coaches about what they truly want out of their careers and their lives is something that's been, I would say a specific example. So I assume everyone else wants to make money because that's the best way to help people where other people just genuinely, they are fulfilled and feel purpose through helping others, not making not making money where I wouldn't say I'm like completely money focused, but it's a predominant thing just because I know it's a kind of a, a proxy for growth and the ability to help people. But other people just want to like have that one-on-one -on -one interaction where they help people. And that might mean that they don't care as much as getting more clients or making more money, but where they really feel fulfilled is that service piece. And then just, you know, acting on that and putting them in positions where that is going to be best utilized as opposed to just assuming that they want to make money and pushing them to get more clients and stuff. Yeah, that's great. So I'm hearing some parallels between asking and at listening to team members is, and what they want is the same as asking and listening to your ideal client, learning what they want so you can deliver it to them. 
because when you're able to deliver that through your marketing and, and give that to your audience, you can make money and get results and, and have them be happy and fulfilled as well as you can produce more results if your team also feels fulfilled. So having those listening skills across the board is really important. And I love that you had said, oh, well, I just, you know, I want results, but that doesn't mean that everybody else wants the same thing. Yeah. Or their definition of results is going to be completely different from you. And you're not going to know that unless you ask and not just assume. And I think it's very typical in a leadership position to assume what you think people want because that's what you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really powerful. And I love hearing you reflect on that because I think those are really important lessons uh, for the listeners to hear about. And then just for you to share, it's really nice and vulnerable for you to be able to share your experiences and, and your growth in your company. Yeah. So if you could just talk a little bit about and um, talking about your company and your method, talk a little bit about the evolution of the Dr. Mark method and, and kind of how it got to where it is today, even just the name, the Dr. Mark method. Yeah. Well, no, that's, I love strategy. And I feel like when I finally realize what that thing is, I have no problem running with it. So as I mentioned before, it started off as like, I was having these almost like mentorship opportunities where I would be training people. It wouldn't work out. And then I'd be left sinking three to six months into working with someone and trying to get them as part of my team. And it just wouldn't work out. So the coaching program was kind of my, my way of flipping the script and saying like, Hey, you can pay me for this upfront. And if it works out great, if not, at least I've been paid, you have some skin in the game, which is important, right? Just like our clients, it'd be nice to be able to, I would help everyone for free if they would take it seriously and do it. Like I would, I I love this stuff, but we all know that that just isn't the case, right? We got to place value on things. That's how people become invested and actually do the things that we want them to do. So that was the intent behind that is like, I'm tired of this. I also wanted to get back to teaching was one of the biggest things that's like really important to me. Like that you do that a lot of times within your clients, but it's not the same way like with your clients, but it's not the same structured relationship as like a formal education experience. So I wanted to get back to that. And for the longest time, I was calling it the polyhealth nutrition coaching masterclass, which we realized that it wasn't actually a masterclass, but I was just using a buzzword to like, I don't know, promote it or name it. Or a lot of times like Personally, and I don't know if you disagree with this, I wouldn't get so caught up in the name before creating something as opposed to creating something valuable and then and then figuring out the details later. But at the same time, words are important. So the evolution became, it was, you know, it had started as a way to build my team out, educate them and make some money, be it a small piece of my business to the main piece of my business, focusing all of my energy in that, really getting back to geeking out on on teaching and doing some of that high-level stuff that I probably wanted to be talking about, but just wouldn't have landed with my ideal client at the time, which was uh, like truly a consumer, right? As opposed to a professional. So getting back to that and just being able to impact more people. And one of the cool features about my course is in the last module, they work with uh, a test client in like a mentor in it, like, and I supervise them. Right. So it comes full circle and they actually try these things out and their clients see results in progress. And we talk about it. Right. So it's like, I'm having impact on clients without ever having to do it. And that to me is like the coolest thing, right? Like it's, it's so fulfilling to be able to do that and not like, you know, have to be in the process and in doing it. So I'm helping people, 
gain those skills and the confidence to be able to do that. And it's been really, really, really cool. So I guess where that all led to is I have a university teaching background. I'm really interested in adult education. We had done some like branding type tests to try to figure out, you know, who am I, what does this program do? What does it serve? And it was very much aligning with uh, that sage archetype or kind of like the professor type thing. So using terms that were, you know, analytical and scientific really speaks to who I am. And, you know, I'm just like this person on a journey of trying to understand the world and teach people what I know. And it just aligned with that. Like, like that's what, you know, what I'm trying to do that professor type mentality. So the name came out, like I have my PhD, I might as well call it the Dr. Mark something and method just, I don't know if it's alliteration, but it falls in line with like, I don't know, strategy and testing things and, and scientific type testing. So that's where we're at. I don't know. And the be- so, yeah, that's great. So two follow-up questions to that. What are the benefits of having a method? And then how long does that process, could that take you if you were to um, just give a little bit of a high-level overview to get it to well, work right now? Of course, it's, it's still a work in progress. The, um, the entire program or the name? The, the program, just kind of the framework of having it progress and be more clear. How long did it take for you to get it to where it is now? Was that a year long? Was that a couple of years? Yeah, from, from like, I would say from conception to where it is right now, it, it took almost two years. Yeah. And it was iterative at every step. Yeah. I, I think there's probably things that I did right off the hop that I were positives and some that were negatives in stuff, but like learning lots, I think using the, like using Kajabi right off the hop as a tactical thing was like a huge investment from what my, my current viewpoint, right. I was like, Oh man, this is like three grand a year. Like, am I going to use that? Especially for a course that was pretty much unknown at that time. So that was a huge leap of faith, but I was like, ah, you know, at a certain level, you got to be able to scale things up and stuff, but making those types of decisions and a bunch of mistakes along the way. But yeah, it's been a two-year process. Okay. So two-year process, and I'm less interested in tactical and more interested in how, what is the benefit of you creating your idea into a method? Like you had mentioned, you're able to now, you enjoy it because you're able to walk people through it and be a part of helping uh, their clients would you say that what you've created and how it's evolved over the last two years is something that is efficient, repeatable, something that you feel clear about, something that is more profitable? Like what is the benefits of spending the time a couple of years, as you said, making some investments in something like the portal of where you're um, housing or hosting your information? What's the benefit of making this into a method and having it be more clear and more tight? Well, it's just, it's marketable now right? Is like, I can actually talk about it in a way that people can understand what it is. And a lot of times, I don't know, one of the examples I like to give is in 2015, I gave, I gave a talk to a Pilates studio about nutrition. So I went out like, uh, it was just a general, my, my general bread and butter body composition talk. I have been in contact with the individual who runs the studio since that time, 2015. Like we follow each other on Instagram, like kind of like not so much back and forth, but we're seeing each other's content and what we're putting out. Mm -hmm. So once we started working together, I shifted my focus to the Dr. Mark method and marketing that. And I literally was posting every day about it for about three months and every day about it for three months. And this person from the Pilates studio reached out to me and said, Oh yeah, it sounds, you have like a coaching program. That sounds interesting. Like let's talk about it. So we set up like a a sales call and we got on the call and she literally had no idea what it was about. 
like not even a shred of it. And I had literally been posting about it. Like what I felt was like so repetitively for months, like, and we're at the point where now I'm posting like two times a day, right. About the exact same thing, like not really any deviation aspects of it, but the exact same thing. So this person had no idea what it was. And that's how hard it is sometimes to get your message across. We think, oh, I'm being really clear with what it is I do, what it looks like, how you're going to feel about it. But you have like, you have no idea, right? Like you, it needs to be so much clearer. So it's the process of tightening that up. So being able to market something is ideally kind of skipping that step of having to explain something to a person, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in addition to the marketing piece, which is everything, yeah. it's also the ease of the more clear your method is, the more clear you can walk someone through it with success, the more predict, you know, the more they can predict and the more you can predict and the better you can run your business. So having a method and then improving on that and focusing on that is going to be beneficial. So I think that's the gold standard in nutrition is when you can develop a method um, in your, and however you want to use it. I've got clients that have a method in their membership, got a method for private coaching, got a method for group programs, courses, et cetera. I've got my method, right? The dietitian boss method. It's extremely beneficial to take what you're doing seriously. So you can turn it into a method for marketing purposes and also for client results purposes, consistency, continuity, scaling, not just a myriad of benefits as to why you want to really take your program to the next level. So thank you for sharing that with us, Mark. Thank no problem. Through your process. Is there anything uh, that you want to leave us with or kind of share as we wrap up? I think you've done a great job of uh, talking about your journey. What's missing? What's missing? Yeah. And no, I think anytime we like look back at stuff and talk about success and growth, I think we, we, we tend to overlook like, you know, how hard things are at times. And, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something because it's difficult. It just means that like, that's going to come along with the journey and stuff. And that's okay. And a lot of times when we feel uncomfortable about stuff or fearful, that means we're doing exactly what we need to be doing. And as hard as that is to like push through, like that's exactly what we need to be doing. So I think just like getting started, knowing it's not all going to work at once, but doing it anyway and seeing, you know, fulfilling your potential is something that I'm all about and I'd love to see others do it. So. Absolutely. And then uh, if, if we're wrapping up, I just want to ask you one more question. Who or what is your motivation for your business? What gets you out of bed to kind of keep going every day? Oh, I have a beautiful family, my wife, Amy, and our little guy, Max. I think that's something that like, I, I've been so lucky over the last four years. Uh, we've had a crazy four years. I'm not even sure you know the full extent of it. I think you have pieces of it, right? In 2016, things were in the height of my busyness, like flying all over the place with like powerlifting and coaching and late nights and stuff. And then I like, I lost my dad suddenly to a heart attack, which was really difficult. And Amy and I were planning on getting married in September. So like that was coming up. We like bought a house and like, uh, we're planning for a wedding. And so like, that was kind of like, I don't know, a cloud over everything over like a really exciting time, but bought our first house, got married. And then, six weeks after our wedding, Amy started developing uh, symptoms and that's where she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Uh, and it happened like, right. You know, almost like, I don't know. I wouldn't even say it was like during our honeymoon, she was starting to get like some like GI upset and stuff. And, but we didn't really think of much of it because we were just like crushing pizza and drinking wine. So I don't know. It made sense, but yeah, we got back and that happened. So 
like after, you know, four rounds of chemo and seeing her go through that and now she's in remission and just like crushing it. So like, I have a lot to be thankful for and live for and, and that type of stuff. And now we have like Max who, I mean, I don't know who knows if we were even supposed to have him or anything like that, but we have like essentially this like miracle baby. Right. So there's a lot to live for, for sure. Thank you for sharing that with the listeners. I I love your vulnerability and that's definitely great motivation. Totally. Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, like, I don't know, I would say before that time I had pretty much a pretty cushy, easy life. So not to say that that was like, those are challenging times and stuff too, but everything changes. Right. And there's going to be different meanings and stuff, but having a North star is always really important. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And it was a pleasure having you share your story on air today, Mark. Can you remind everybody where to follow you on Instagram? Yeah. If you could check me out at, uh, Mark M E R C W Morris, that'd be the biggest thing that that French Canadian see in there. And, uh, or on Facebook at the same name, you can search me out and, uh, or email me at mark at polyhealth.ca. It would be any of the ways to get in contact with me. I'm always happy to chat with anyone about anything and growing this kind of stuff. I love it. I truly, it truly gets me up in the morning. So yeah, I'm really thankful for having me on. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at libbyrothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.